Welcome to JLab, a podcast from the Civic Journalism Lab, which is a forum for professional, student and community journalists in the northeast of England to meet, learn and collaborate. It's supported by Newcastle University and by BBC Northeast and Cumbria. My name's Ian Wiley and in this podcast you'll hear highlights from a panel discussion which we titled What Next for Local TV News. In one sense the picture was rosy. BBC and ITV regional news bulletins reached their highest audience figures in five years as viewers tuned in for the latest on the beast from the east weather front. That suggested that people turn to local TV news when there's a big story that affects them and their communities. Local TV news provides a crucial and valued service. At a time when local newspapers are in decline, local TV and their websites are increasingly the dominant, sometimes the only source of local news. And yet there are underlying worries. We know that younger viewers are not tuning in. Many are writing off local TV news as outdated, formulaic and cliched. In the US, we're seeing some innovation by local TV stations, which are going digital first, crowdsourcing reporting, experimenting with augmented reality and injecting more personality into the local news. But here in the UK, local TV bosses often seem afraid of alienating older viewers, wary of innovation that may draw in newer, younger audiences. As an attempt to shake and freshen things up, more than 30 local stations have been set up around the UK since 2011 as part of a major local TV initiative by the then Cultural Secretary Jeremy Hunt, but several have faced financial difficulties and have struggled to find an audience. Some have asked to reduce local news obligations, with many stations called out over the quality of their output. So it seems we're in a time of great challenge, but also great opportunity. So for this session, we brought together a terrific, knowledgeable and experienced group of panellists who were willing to share their views on the health and future of local TV news. Michaela Byrne is Head of News at ITV Time Tees and has held roles previously as Foreign News Editor at ITN and as a producer at Channel 4 News. Andrew Robson is Editor of BBC Look North. He joined the BBC after a career in commercial radio, holding roles at Metro, TFM, Century and Heart. Tony Hazel is a broadcast consultant and former station manager at Made and Time Weir. Tony has more than 40 years of broadcasting experience that includes launching the Horror Channel on Sky TV and managing the Simply Movies Channel. And Jordan Mann, who is news editor at Made in Tyne and Weir. Jordan is a journalism graduate from Sunderland University, where he was editor of the Media Hub, and he joined Made in Tyne and Weir in 2015. I began by asking the panellists, what do they love about working at local TV news? First, Michaela Byrne. Well, I guess um, you said that I have worked at national level for quite a lot of my career and at um, international level as well in that sense. But, um, you know, actually what I discovered through that, if I didn't know it already, and I hope I did, was that all news is local. Um, you know, yes, there are some sort of national government stories or things, but actually people, things get generated on a local level. And it's at the local level that we really care about things because it matters to us individually. So if it's something that appears to be national, tax changes or something like that, it's still, you're looking at it usually, I look at it, and most people I think look at it through a prism of does it matter to them? Um, and I think for me, local news is about the people that I live amongst, it's about me, it's about my friends, it's about my family, and it's about the communities that I, you know, even if I just drive through them once in a while, 
if something happens in, I don't know, Jarrow, I don't live there, but you know, I know people who do, so I'm interested in it. And for me, I think it's, it's just, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by the news, I want to know what's going on in the world, and I think it's a great way of um, bringing it home to you locally. Tony Hazel. Um, what did I enjoy about local uh, television, well, mainly local news, was, nur- was nurturing young talent. And we did have some great successes at um, Maiden Time Weir. We had a few who have gone on to better things. One in particular, Nathan Lee, very, very pleased. He's, got, he's working at ITN and doing very, very well there. Um, so I, as I, I'm not really from a journalist background. I, I had worked at ITN in my past, uh, in the days when there was a news director, where he's got obese. Um, down to the journalists to work the other legal side out. Um, but it's difficult. There's only so many stories available locally. So it was very, very hard and very, very challenging. And it was challenging for the journalists. And that's what made it exciting, was the challenge. Go and find a story. There's something out there. You know, so yeah, I, I, enjoyed, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it very, very much, the, you know, my time making time here. Jordan Mann. My kind of background is people journalism, so that's what I wanted to go into from university. Uh, my university degree was magazine journalism, so it wasn't typically a TV <coughs> background. Um, but then I got the opportunity to work in the Media Hub at the University of Sunderland, uh, which focuses on hyperlocal journalism. So they've got SR News, which only at the time focused on the Sunderland patch. Uh, and the amount of stories that you come across that just aren't told on a wider scale, just because, I mean, even for ourselves now with Made in Teesside, the patches are, are quite big. So for me, the passion is uh, to find those local stories that really matter to local communities. As Michaela mentioned, uh, someone living in Jarrow might necessarily affect me, but it does affect local people. So it's finding those stories that people really care about, they want to watch, that they can relate to, um, and that obviously influences their everyday lives. Andrew Robson. I think the thing I enjoy most about um, Look North in particular is, um, and this has changed a lot in the last kind of 10, 15 years, is we're bombarded by material from all over the place. Uh, I see Look North as being a bit of an oasis, if you like, where at 6.30 every night we kind of boil it down, the important stories of the day, uh, and we tell stories in such a way that we make them as simple as we can, um, because there's a lot of kind of opinion complexity out there, uh, and I see Look North being very much a a way of kind of filtering that, um, not filtering the facts, but filtering the... um, the, compl- the kind of complicated bits of it, really. Um, so I think that's that's kind of one part of it. And I think the other part would be, uh, you touched on it already, but uh, during periods, big periods like the snow, uh, it's just fantastic in terms of the energy in the team getting out there uh, to deliver a programme under very difficult circumstances uh, and actually delivering something we're really proud of. And actually, from an audience point of view, the, we know the audience just flock to us on those occasions. So we've absolutely got, those, got, got to get those occasions right. Uh, but to me, and I think there's a lot of kind of common ground in terms of everything that's been said so far, but they will be the two big things for me. What do our panellists see as the main challenges that give them concern in terms of who is watching local TV news? Andrew Robson again. Right, okay. I think in many ways our success is also a failure. Um, we are, uh, from an audience point of view, incredibly successful. Um, we deliver really good numbers uh, in terms of uh, English regions. Uh, BBC local TV news is the most successful part of BBC news in terms of audience. Uh, we reach about six and a half million adults across the country uh, a night for our 6.30 programme and, and around 18 million a week. So it's big numbers. So you've kind of got that in mind. 
I'm also aware that we have um, the world is changing. Uh, we have far many different formerly far more different forms of media now in terms of where you can get material from. Um, so while we're really focused on delivering the numbers for TV, we're conscious that the numbers for TV are older, so it's kind of 60 plus. Our average age for North is 64. Um, you've got this new world of digital, I say new world, it's not exactly new anymore, this world of digital, um, which at some point, and we're already doing it, but it's a case of how far you push you, the resources that you have, um, to deliver that really well. It's kind of like trying to ride two horses, if you like. We've got a really successful horse, um, TV, Look North, doing really well. Um, we've got a new digital world, or newer digital world. Uh, and it's a case of making sure that you put the resources in the right place. We're not quite there yet, by a long way, and it's, it's kind of a movable feast. Uh, but that's our biggest issue, because it's very difficult to take resources away from something that's doing really well to put it in an emerging um, media form that you know is actually ultimately going to do great numbers and already is doing great numbers. Um, so that's kind of, for me, the, the, the biggest issue and health and safety. <laughs> health and safety is just a nightmare. Um, health and safety is one of those things that does keep you awake at night because you care about your team. You want to make sure everybody comes home at the end of the day. Um, but it's one of those things that kind of does worry you. But the big thing really is where you put your results. Jordan Mann. Um, I think uh, one of them is that people's viewing habits have changed. So obviously we're a new channel, uh, even three years in, uh, we're, we're still obviously trying to build an audience. Uh, we've managed to do that far better than what we ever imagined. Uh, our numbers did take a little bit of a dip, uh, kind of at the, the top of the year when we went a little bit more national. Uh, but now that we're coming back towards being more local, we do 11 hours a day of local content. Uh, now that we do that, our figures are back in the region of what we were getting previously, and they're continuing to grow. I mean, we're only eight weeks into our new format, yet the numbers keep going up. But it's, for us, it's how do you continue to reach a new audience. So as Andrew mentioned, uh, for us, our viewers, 51% uh, of our viewers are 55 plus, um, whereas 16 to 34 year olds, we only get, well, that's 4% of our viewers. So how do we reach those audiences? Uh, so for Northeast Live, what we try to do is we've got a digital first philosophy. So the content will go online as soon as it can. We're not waiting for a set program and it'll go on air as soon as it can as well. So the way that, that works is we, when we have our 11 hours of local, we can put a file in the system and it'll be on air within three minutes. So it means that at any point during the day, we're not waiting for set, set 6.30 news programs. We can inject at any point. So that's one way of trying to, to reach that kind of audiences on different platforms that they can tune in whenever they want. They can tune in online, that content's on the web and it's on social. Um, but probably the biggest challenge for us is a financial challenge. Um, it's no secret that local TV have struggled financially. Um, but I think for me, TV, uh, obviously we grew at a rapid pace. We set up with four channels initially. Um, then we bought two channels, which was the cost of that was astronomical. Uh, and then we launched another two, two channels on top. Uh, so the cost of that were inflated. So what we've done is we've looked at the entire business model. We've brought our spending back in line with the revenue that we're bringing in. Uh, and we've also tried to adapt that digital first philosophy as well. So I'd say they're, they're the key challenges would be one, how do we reach that audience into the financial side? I've had many conversations with the BBC, for example, where we said we, we would kill for the resources that they've got. Uh, but we've got, we've got to work within what we've got. Yes, we're a little bit envious, but at the same time, we're trying to do things a little bit differently now. In the past, we were trying to compete with ITV and BBC. On our staffing numbers, we can't do that. So can we do something a little bit different? Can we be live a lot more uh, so that we can strip out the edit time? Um, 
and can we be reactive more uh, in that everything that we try and do if there's something that we can react to on the day that is the sort of things that we'll cover Michaela Byrne well, I think if you've been talking to my predecessor, it was a very different time ITV, and ITV wasn't in a great place financially. But um, I think, you know, probably the last uh, six, seven years, the company's really turned itself around to a position where it's, you know, back in a really good place. And, you know, there was a withdrawal from the regions from ITV and uh, quite a painful time for the news teams. That has gone completely, you know. We brought in a new chief executive uh, last, uh, just at the start of the year. And, you know, as with her predecessor, the very first thing that she said is, <coughs> I'm not touching news. You know, it's a kind of, it's a stable part of the ITV <coughs> offering. Um, ITV believes in it very strongly that we should be making regional news programs. They're very popular, they do well. I think for both the BBC and ITV, it's, it's quite striking that. You know, we had Beast from the East, and the viewing figures did very well. But actually, we're still quite often in the top ten of uh, most watched programmes at the moment. So when you aggregate all of the BBC and the ITV national news, uh, regional news figures, um, you know they'll go into the top ten. So you see yourself in there with programmes like, uh, you know, Emma Dale, Coronation Street, Antiques Roadshow, whatever. Um, so I don't feel the financial pressures that I think my predecessor would have felt. You know, I'd say our resource is tight, but it's perfectly manageable. I don't think we're in, you know, I don't feel day by day that we're scrabbling around for things. Um, and so for me, I think, you know, where do I spend my time worrying? A bit like Andrew, I think, and, and Jordan, I think we are aware that where is the market going? And I don't feel particularly anxious about it at this moment, um, you know. Our audience figures are good, and you know I think there's I've got a, one statistic here that I've pulled to the top. It says 16 to 24 year olds are significantly more likely to say I'm constantly checking the news um, than older people. So it's 49 percent versus 41 percent. So it's not that young people aren't interested in news; they are. It is just how are they consuming it, and we don't know how they're going to consume it yet. Tony Hazel. Well, basically, this country has really two models. There's the advertising model, ITV, and the BBC model. And you've got local TV. It very much relied on the BBC money, which worked on for three years. Um, and the biggest challenge is, is for the channels to succeed now that money's run out. How are they going to get their income? That's a worry. It hasn't got a big advertising revenue. I can't see it succeeding. I can see it actually been a year going, it was only this week that Ofcom announced that they were going to give no more licences. Um, I actually been in contact with Ofcom myself regarding bits and pieces and the, the future of local television is quite bleak. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like America. There's such vast distances between towns, so they need their local television stations. The model I originally put together for it was very much a community-based channel get the community involved, get the councils involved, the police, the fire brigade, get them involved. The owners wanted it to be an ITV2, stroke channel 5. Didn't work. When they changed it to this, didn't work. We just about got it worked, working in 2016, 2017, we started to get an audience. But as I said, the BBC money ran out, and meant salaries couldn't be paid, people had to go. Um, and that's not just main television, that's happening 
to other other local stations as well. As, as, as Jordan said, they bought out two stations, Bay TV, uh, again because they went into bankruptcy. And I know a couple more which are really, really struggling. And I'm sorry to be negative, but I'd rather tell the truth. What can we do to get the millennial generation watching local TV news? Michaela Byrne. When I started at the BBC, um, heading on for 30 years ago, before some of you are probably alive, um, you know, I was working on a news programme and people were saying, of course, you know in 10 years' time, we won't have news programmes. You'll watch news on a sort of Sky News or CNN-style channel. Well, you know, that hasn't come true because although, you know, those channels still exist, they are not being watched by vast numbers of people. And so I kind of, you know, I can remember listening to those people as a young, very young, you know, trainee and thinking, oh, gosh, you know, there won't be any TV programmes, TV news programmes soon. How will I, what will I do for a living and all those sort of things. And what I've just learned to realise is that, you know, we will change and we will adapt. Do we need to change our programmes? Well, I think, you know, we do innovate. We change a bit as we go along. We don't want to have probably radical change. I think when you, as a broadcaster, if you change things radically, you sometimes do lose your audience. And that, that history shows you that with some programmes that have tried to do that. So I think it's about, for me, it's about probably gradual change to try and keep up and about us, you know, as Andrew was saying earlier, beginning to work on different platforms. Um, and time will kind of guide us in the right direction. Andrew Robson again. Um, a great story is a great story, and it's about putting the story where the audience happens to be. So if you're talking to a kind of a, a younger, you know, 15 to 24-year-old, you'll put that particular story on platforms uh, that they will be able to see it because they're not watching uh, Look North. And I think based on the fact that so we're part of the BBC, we have a, a format with the way which, in which we deliver the news, um, there are kind of areas we can move into. We could um, make uh, our writings a bit more contemporary. Uh, we could be a bit more rigid in terms of the way we uh, select our stories. Uh, we could look in terms of how far back we want to go, uh, kind of retrospectively in terms of story choice. But I think there's a danger in that because ultimately um, you are protecting an audience um, and you don't want to uh, put the audience that you've already got at risk. And I've seen this happen many times before where it's a really interesting thing in the media, it doesn't matter whether it's radio or whatever, everybody wants an audience they don't already have. Uh, so you could be phenomenally successful and suddenly everybody wants to chase an audience. Yeah, but you've got a great audience already. Yeah, but we want that one. Uh, I think it's a bit, if you can be a bit smarter, uh, you can maintain a, an audience uh, on TV. Um, yes, you can make it slightly fresher, change story choice, so on and so forth. But actually it's about... Uh, using the other platforms that are, are available to us now to bring in a newer audience. Um, one thing we don't know, and it's the same uh, in radio, is there's a big thing you'll see it all over the place at, at the moment as radio listening is, in, is declining with the younger end. What we don't know is when an individual reaches a particular age, will they become more interested in radio? Um, there's a bit of evidence to suggest that they won't. The same applies to TV. Um, we could really change the Look North product but actually we could also really damage the audience that we currently have. So for me, the smart thing is to just gradually reinvent, as Keller mentioned, and, uh, that's on screen, and put stories and create stories specifically for digital delivery uh, so our stories can get out there to a, a new audience that we don't currently serve on television. Uh, so it's kind of a mix of the two. Really. And some of those changes, gradual changes on Look North, I mean, what, what, what would you point to? I think one of the things we did about a year ago is we rebranded... Um, 
kind of much more vibrant, colourful titles. Um, very, very clear that we're from this area. Uh, we, we, we're kind of unlucky in a way. We cover a, a, a huge area, including Cumbria, where obviously ITV have got two ops um, to cover the same area. So we're very mindful of that in terms of story choice and getting around the area. Uh, so kind of a fresher brand, a fresher image. Um, I think we've pushed uh, the presenters pretty hard. It's very difficult to really deliver personality and be impartial at the same time but it can be done, you've just got to be very delicate with it. Um, so it's pushing a bit more down, down that route. I think in terms of how we use graphics uh, to tell stories and make stories clearer, I think we, we do a better job of that than we once did. So but it's a very slow process. Um, you don't want to uh, cause too many, too many problems, particularly with the audience that we already have. Um, there are other opportunities as well in terms of the digital side of things. We could commission a story specifically. I mean, if you pick a, a topic like housing, um, you could look at various different elements depending on where you are in your life cycle about housing. So if you're 25, you're thinking about, I'm never going to get on a housing ladder, I'm going to be renting for the rest of my life. If you're at the op opposite end of the spectrum, I own a house, how do I make sure my kids get the inheritance and how can we do that? Um, you can approach that story and make it relevant right across the spectrum, but you wouldn't necessarily put all of it on one platform, you could spread it across different platforms. Um, so that's, that's the smart way of doing it, I think. Jordan Man. Yeah, I think uh, for us, certainly in the Northeast Live, which might have mentioned we launched uh, around about eight weeks ago, uh, the focus of that is to be very upbeat, it's to be at the heart of the communities, it's to be very involved. So, for example, today we covered a story where 1,400 uh, children were taking part in a march uh, through Durham City Centre. Now, rather than doing that from a conventional point of view where you get the interviews at the start line or interviews at the end, we've done that where we've done the interview pretty much as if it was an ass live. And we've done that through the crowds to try and keep the energy up. Um, and for, for us, we are obviously trying to get that presenter personality across. Andrew's definitely right. There is definitely a fine line with certain stories and obviously where you've got to be impartial. If it's one of those type stories, we'll do more of a conventional news package. Um, so obviously that'll be very tough, uh, very uh, edited in a, a certain way to to get the balance right. Obviously we'll make sure we've got all sides of the argument in that. But if it is a case of kids are just marching through Durham City Centre, than something like that, you really can get the presenter personality across. Tony Hazel. Uh, lots been said about young people not watching news. I didn't watch news when I was young. I wasn't interested. Alright, we don't have laptops to watch it on. We didn't have smartphones. But I wasn't interested. My kids are not interested. But we all get to a certain age where you will be interested. And that, that, I think that's been the history of it. I don't... I need to try and attract young people. Yes, you've got to do something, but you've got to be very careful. What are the opportunities for collaboration, either with other local organisations or with audiences? Jordan Mann. I think obviously these days everyone has a smartphone and they're at the point now where you can put together a news package from your smartphone. You can film on your smartphone, you can edit on your smartphone, you can get all of the accessories to make sure your audio is good, you can follow all of the standards of conventional TV. Um, and obviously every single one of us has a mobile phone in our pockets uh, and there are a lot of uh, community-based journalists that are doing that. Uh, they're putting it out on uh, community websites, on their own uh, social media channels. Um, so I think there is potentially room uh, to collaborate more with contributors, certainly for Made TV, possibly not for BBC and ITV. Um, but obviously my key worry would be making sure that we've got the facts right. Where did they get those details from? Is everything about it 100% accurate? Um, and then obviously from a standards point of view, just making sure that it's to the standard that we expect of our own journalists. Um, 
But in terms of wider collaboration, uh, we've started working a lot more with our universities. Uh, so in January, we launched a new scheme with Teesside University where uh, I go along on their news days. And basically, I sit with the students and I give them feedback on the work that they're producing. And I let them know what, would, what they'd need to change to make that fit what we would air. And they've got no obligation to give us that content. Uh, as it happens, we've not aired any of the content from that. Uh, but the students have found that very helpful. Um, and the, the key thing for us doing that is that the next generation of journalists, when they do graduate, they'll already have those type skills that we need. So obviously made in time and we are, uh, <coughs> our journalists do absolutely every element of the job. They set up their own story, uh, they go out on that story, they self-shoot it, they come back, they edit it, they make sure that they're getting the statements for balance or the other interviews for balance. Um, so obviously it's, getting, it's helping with that training side of things to make sure that the next generation of graduates are to the level that we'd expect when they enter the industry. Uh, we're working with Sunderland University as well to roll out a similar scheme uh, and after that we'll obviously consider other universities within the North East as well. Andrew Robson. Just to touch on what you said, I think universities absolutely number one really for us in terms of collaboration. We're already doing a lot of work with various universities uh, but every time we get kind of somebody new in, brings a new energy to the team. Um, we have a really slow staff, uh, staff turnover in Newcastle. Um, in terms of people come here and they stay here for a long time. Uh, some of these vacancies are kind of few and far between, but actually whenever we get new blood and new energy into the team, uh, that works really well for us. So in terms of collaboration with universities and looking for the fresh talent, uh, that's something we are really keen on. Um, but yeah, I think so far um, it's a painful process. It's always difficult for the BBC because um, it doesn't matter what you do, you're under scrutiny. Um, and I think collaboration is great until you need to hold the person or the party or the body uh, to account that you're collaborating with. So you've always got this kind of uncomfortable relationship uh, where we're friends until we're not. Um, but I think we're, we're making some good headway in that area as an organisation. I still think we've got a long, long way to go, but we are making some good headway. You generate content on a story uh, that's breaking, a fire, an explosion, a terror attack. Absolutely, we use that kind of material as an organisation all the time. Um, obviously in terms of compliance, if you're talking about a specific kind of bespoke program package, um, that's much harder um, for us to do because we've got to go through all the BBC compliance systems in order to make sure it's fine. Um, but in terms of UGC as we call it, um, I don't think that's gone away. I think we're a bit smarter with the way we use it. And I think we're a bit more selective. Um, and obviously we've, we have had our fingers burnt as an organisation a couple of times in the past uh, with UGC that's come in. I think there was one particular instance when the, um, in the early days of it, when the tsunami hit in 2004, um, there was a picture used and actually it wasn't of that, that event. Um, so I think we've had our fingers burnt and we need to be really careful with it, but actually as an organisation we still use a fair amount of it and actually regionally we still do as well. Um, it tends to be on a breaking event that we're not there, um, you know, we'll use that material or a still. Um, we will always try and gather ourselves if we can, uh, just from a quality point of view. But actually, if they're the only shots you've got, get them on. Uh, and we see it time and time again, you know, Manchester terror attack, London terror attacks. Uh, it's invaluable for what we do. Really. 20 years old. I would have liked to see more collaboration between um, the BBC and Made, 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 made and Simon Weir. Uh, well, uh, yes, we did provide them stories, whether they used them or not. It didn't really matter. That was a part of the the income revenue deal, uh, different different sort of collaboration that. But I would have liked to have seen the seen, seen, seen a bit more. Um, but it is, as Andrew said, it is very, very difficult. BBC have certain 
guidelines they have to they have to <coughs> they have to work 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 to. Um, <coughs> regarding the newspapers, we had no chance of any collaboration with them because they saw us as a threat. They re they relied they relied very much on the, on advertising, local advertising, to pay to pay their way, and they saw maybe the local advertiser will start advertising on television. So there was no chance of getting any collaboration there whatsoever. And very similar with local radio, radio stations. And finally, Michaela Byrne. If we talk about citizens journalism, citizen journalism, it was a thing, what, over a decade ago, that it was, that was going to be the new wave of stuff and then it, we wouldn't have a place because everyone would be making their own news. And, um, you know, it, that hasn't happened in that sense, but, you know, user-generated content is very val valuable to all of us. We use it, um, you know, for things that we didn't get to because they were things like fires or something that we weren't at, um, and for just moments in, you know, that captured, you know, something that might have happened in someone's life. Um, but for me, with those, you always have to be aware of the fake news problem, which has sort of now superseded it, really, in a sense, that you're kind of you've got to be sure that what you're broadcasting is accurate, because if you're not accurate, uh, you know, what's the, why would people watch you? They've got to trust you. And <coughs> we all put, I know, a, 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 you know, our team is very keen on, uh, you know, we, we do everything we can to check news sources. We won't broadcast it unless we're sure about it. So I think that, you know, if you're talking about that aspect of it, I think, um, you know, in terms of um, universities, we also started to try and do more of that. Again, going back to, you know, we're in a very good position financially now, and we try to do more outreach work, talking to more universities, and just helping students, bringing in more people on work experience, uh, getting out to panel discussions like this, or you know, um, presentations to just talk to people and help, if you like, educate the next generation of journalists and television. Um, uh, staff to be. So. You've been listening to JLab, a podcast brought to you by the Civic Journalism Lab in association with Newcastle University and BBC North Eastern Cumbria. I'm Ian Wiley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>